if you could ask Jesus what the most important thing in life is, what do you think he would say? Most important thing in life. Pretty sure he's not going to say your Ferrari. You know, that better, nicer, newer. What? Faith, hope, love, love, hope, faith. Love one another. Yeah, it's not the stuff, is it? It's not the things that we accumulate. It's the relationships. Like you guys talking just a minute ago, like taking a a break. I have visited churches. I've been in churches where you pause and it's like silence. Or it's like, oh, it's so, like where's the friendship? Where's the love for one another? Where, Where is that? Well, it's a part of the kingdom. It's a part of the kingdom of God. So in Mark 12, we've been moving through it and we're moving through the gospel of Mark. Jesus has been debating with the religious leaders and there's really not been much of a debate. They try to get him on something or word something in a way that traps him and he just puts it down. And he, he's just got such wisdom and such uh, grace in his words. Well, there's another leader who comes up and he hears what's being said and he comes to Jesus to ask his own question. And it seems like there's a different spirit here. He's not attacking Jesus. He's really questioning. So we're picking up in verse 28, Mark 12, 28, one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. Remember they're in the temple courts is where they've been. Disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You've truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. You are not far from the kingdom of God. We're going to get back to that in a minute or a couple minutes. So they have this discussion. And this was a common question actually in the day where the the Pharisees actually would ask this question a lot. What's the most important commandment? What's the greatest commandment? We have all these commands from Moses. Which one is most important? And they would debate back and forth. And typically they would fall in one of two camps. And one of the camps was everything boiled down to loving God. And one of the other camps 
everything boiled down to applying that and loving people. And Jesus is the first rabbi to put the two together and say it isn't one or the other. It's both. It's both. And we're just going to run through this loving God, loving people, and what it means to be close to the kingdom. Loving God, when he's asked what's the greatest commandment, he begins with what you would still hear today if you walked into a Jewish synagogue. If you went to worship with Jewish people in the synagogue, they begin with Shema Israel, which is hear or listen Israel. And this, so they call this the Shema, which literally just means to listen, the Shema. And Jesus begins as he's asked, what's the greatest commandment? He goes right back to Deuteronomy 6.4, which follows the Ten Commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Which God are we worshiping? Is it just any God? Love, love God, pick your God. It's the God of Israel, the God of Deuteronomy. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The Passion Translation, there's been a couple versions of this, says, with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, with every thought that is within you, and with all your strength. Now imagine, so I've been around a lot of young people, a lot of like youth conference environments, and they get pretty hyped out. Uh, young people like to just like to party. No, come on. Are there any older people who kind of like to party? Like to have some fun? Yeah, come on. I know, that. I know you're out there. It's going to be not too long when you're going to go to the retirement homes and the bass pumping out of these retirement homes is going to be crazy because the music, the music that my father-in-law grew up with was the Rolling Stones and every other thing in that genre. Well, he's in his 70s now and... He's still blasting the Rolling Stones. (laughs) Go to these conferences, youth conferences. I remember this one kid. He said, my goal is at the end of a worship time, I want to have worshipped with all of my heart and all of my soul, all of my mind, all of my strength. And I want to give all my strength to where by the time we're done, I'm just exhausted and all all I can do is lay down on the floor. I thought, wow, that's a lot of zeal. And I don't know that that's what this means. But everything that you have to worship God with all that you are. This is what he desires. And he says, this is actually the greatest commandment. To love him with your whole heart. Wholeheartedly. Now, this is a very high bar. I don't know if you've thought about this. This is a high bar. And we say it. We quote the scripture. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yes, that's the greatest commandment. You ever tried that? On Monday morning? On that business phone call with the idiot? How am I loving you 
wholeheartedly right now. Because this isn't just 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. How do I do this? Like my wife will always say, oh, I had the demon children this morning. She's a music, public school music teacher. You know, the kids that come in and they've just had a horrible weekend or they've had whatever. And they come in and they're just like, we're not complying today. How do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength in that moment? At, <laughs> I wrote down at work, at the beach, at home, in the morning, in the evening, etc., etc., etc. How do you love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, strength on Friday night? Saturday night. Now, if we start evaluating, every one of us in this room is going to recognize pretty quickly, I think I might fall short. I don't think I'm actually loving God with all that I am. Guess what? There's only one who has ever lived who has fulfilled this and who has loved his father with his whole heart, soul, mind, and strength every day of his life. And his name is Jesus. He's done it. He's actually our, our model. He's, our, he is, he's not just our example, although he is our example. When you're watching and reading the the story of Jesus, the life of Jesus, you are seeing what it looks like to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus says, okay, that's the first half, but the second half of this is loving your neighbor as yourself, loving people as yourself. John 13.35 says this. I don't think it's going to be on the screen. John 13.35 says, it's Jesus speaking. He says, others will know. They will know you are my disciples. That just means his apprentices. We're, we're, we're Jesus' apprentices. We're learning to follow him. We're like his students. They'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Now, you get that? There it is. I hate this. <laughs> I hate this quote. Mahatma Gandhi, famous Indian leader, did tons to just advance the cause of the Indian people and the nation of India speaking about Christians. I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Ouch. Ouch. They'll know you're my disciples by the way they can see you loving one another. They'll know you're my disciples by the way you speak to one another, by the way you act toward one another. How is the world going to see and recognize these are followers of Jesus 
Jesus himself says it's the way we love one another, the way we apply loving God, loving him wholeheartedly. All that I am is yours, Lord, all that I am. Okay, what, what does that mean? Take all that I've made you to be and love one another and love the world around you. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. Now, there's an implication here. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But how do you feel about yourself? If... If you're always down on yourself, you're always despising yourself. You're always like, ugh, I'm worthless. Ugh, I'm pathetic. I mean, that's what the devil, he's a, he's a liar and a, and a thief. The thief comes, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? And so he wants to steal from you. He wants to kill any hope in you any vision in you, in you, any kingdom of Godness in you. He wants to kill it and he wants to destroy hope in you. And if he can undermine what God says about you, he will do it. And he will lie to you repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And uh, Rich and Gordon and I, we meet on Friday mornings early and we were talking about how when the devil comes at you and he says, you are unworthy. And now sometimes when he comes at you, he doesn't say, you are unworthy. You know what he says in your head? I'm unworthy. I'm worthless. I'm hopeless. He'll just... But it's like he makes you think it's you. It's like he puts it back on you. You're the one condemning yourself. And you know what? Maybe you're partnering with him. But he's inspiring you to... Despise yourself, despise yourself, despise yourself. You know what happens? You feel pathetic and you kind of then, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of your heart, you live your life. And hurt people hurt people, don't they? Like, I didn't come up with that. That's like pop psychology. Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. We're going to get to how do we do that in a minute. How would you like to be treated by your spouse, by your husband, by your wife, by your significant other? How would you like to be treated? Love your neighbor as yourself. treat them the way you would like them to treat you, not the way they are treating you. Because otherwise we just get like tit for tat. You hit me, I hit back maybe a little harder. That's going to bring a lot of productiveness, isn't it? How would you like to be treated by your boss? Or by your employees? Why not Start treating them the way you would like them to treat you. I'll, I'll respect that politician when they earn it. How would you want people to treat you? Begin treating them with the same dignity 
you desire to be treated with. We could take that on. How do you want to be treated by your students, by your parents, by your children, by the guy in the other car in traffic? I'm noticing in my own notes, weekly I seem to be mentioning the other guy in traffic. I think God might be doing something in me. (laughs) How do you want them to treat you? Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. How do you want to never be treated? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now again, only Jesus has lived this completely. If the two greatest commandments are love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself, then we are all hopeless. Because we've all fallen short. But Jesus has fulfilled this completely. He leads like this. He models this perfectly. His life is a model of fulfilling what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself. Does it mean you never say hard things? Clearly not. Jesus is not afraid to say difficult things. Loving your neighbor as yourself doesn't mean I only say the things that make them happy and feel good. Sometimes we have to hear things we don't want to hear, and that is love. And that's okay. When I think about Jesus going to the cross, it's for the joy set before him, Hebrews tells us, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and he despised the shame. He felt it, it was shameful. What he went through was not only horribly painful, but horribly humiliating. And he endured it for the joy set before him because he loved you and he loved me. And that was that love for us that enabled him to endure the shame. The love for his father, knowing what they were accomplishing together, enabled him to do what for us would have been the impossible. But he's done it. He's completed it. So the scribe says to him, you've spoken. Yeah, you're right. This is, this is wisdom. And when the scribe says to love God and to love one's neighbor as oneself, he says is much more than all whole offerings and sacrifices. This is when Jesus takes note and says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Remember, this is, this is, we call it Holy Week. This is the week of Jesus' crucifixion. This is still Tuesday. Some scholars think it was Wednesday by now. But it looks like from Mark's gospel, still Tuesday before Jesus is crucified. Becoming the once for all time sacrifice for sin. Every sin you have ever committed, ever thought, every wrongdoing, everywhere you have missed the mark, and me too, everyone, he went to the cross and he paid for it with his own life, becoming the sacrifice. And when this scribe says, 
to love God wholly and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is much more than our whole sacrificial system. Jesus is like, Jesus knows what's coming. The scribe doesn't know what's coming. Jesus knows I'm going to the cross. I am going to be much more than all whole sacrifices, burnt offerings. I am it. I am fulfilling it. I am completing it. He's the all-sufficient sacrifice. His perfect sacrifice of perfect love supersedes the whole system, fulfilling it perfectly. And the scribe says, like, okay, this is more than all of it. Just to love God holy, love your neighbor. But Jesus doesn't say to him, that's it. You're in the kingdom. You know the right thing. You say the right thing. He says, you're not far from the kingdom. I watched a, a, a race. I was so happy to go to a track meet. It was North Central against uh, West Valley on Friday. And we're out watching this race. It was girls. And they're like flying in, coming in. And the girl who was fighting for first, they're like 10 feet from the finish line. And it's neck and neck, a North Central girl and a West Valley girl. And they're just like, Ugh! and one of them, I can't remember which one now, 10 feet from the finish line tripped. And she just went down. I and mean, she went down hard. It was a North Central girl. Goes down hard. Boom. And you watch as the people who were in third, fourth, fifth, they all passed her. And then she hobbles up because she had twisted something. She hobbles up and hobbled that last 10 feet across the finish line. You know who got the most applause? That girl, right? Not only are people feeling bad for her, but then watching her get up and finish. It was like, you go girl. It was so powerful, but it was like that fall. Jesus says, you're not far from the kingdom of God, but you're not in the kingdom of God. This, this isn't the finish line to recognize Love God with your whole self. Love your neighbor. Memorize the scripture. That's not it. Pharisees could quote the scriptures. That's not it. It's living it. It's living it. And this is only possible, you guys. It's only possible through Christ. It's only possible in Christ, in Jesus, and in his power. There's no other way to do this. If you walk out of here and you go, I have to love better. I have to love God more. I have to love my neighbor better than I did last week. No. Focus in on the Jesus who loves you. The Jesus who endured the cross for you. It's in receiving him and his love for you that your heart begins to open up. And love for God from you flows from receiving God's love for you. When you just can embrace, wow, what you have done for me. And your focus is there. 
guess what comes out? Worship comes out. Gratefulness comes out. Thanksgiving comes out. It's through seeing and receiving Jesus' great love for us. His sacrificial love that is devoted first to his Father. That we can be transformed to love more and more like him. So how do we live this? Is it even possible in your own strength? No, it's not possible. But in his strength, this actually is possible. It's possible to love God wholeheartedly. Does it mean you're never, like, you're never going to sin? You're never going to stumble? You're never going to go, oh, yeah, Tuesday? I'm sorry, Jesus. No, that's going to happen. And when it does, that's what you do. Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And you focus your eyes back on his great love for you. Focus your eyes on the one who is more than all sacrifices, more than any sacrifice you could make for him or to him. He's it. Get your eyes on him. He's the one who transforms you. What if we did this? What if we as a people were so fixated on the love of Christ, the love of our Father, and the life that he's given us through his spirit? What if we focused there and said, okay, God, and we asked the dangerous question, now help us love you in return. Help us love our neighbor so that they can see, ah, that's what Jesus meant. You guys look like Jesus. They'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Father, I just pray for all of us. Let us know your great love. Keep opening our eyes to how great the cross really is. How great your sacrifice on our behalf really is. Keep opening us up to receive love from you. Lord, we know that the transforming work happens when we're receiving from you. Lord, I ask that you would inspire in every one of us wholehearted love toward you from our minds, from our souls, our hearts, and our strength. And you would inspire in us love for one another and for the neighbors around us, in this neighborhood, in this city, in this nation, and in the nations of the world. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.